Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here on a in a in a post Oscars world. Billy, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm okay. It's strange to be here in a post Oscars world. I gotta say. Yeah, you're freaking out a bit. I I'm I'm feeling pretty weird. Like the whole thing disoriented me. I think. I know that sounds like crazy, but like I. It, ones that I thought were locks, it turns out weren't locks. Like, I feel like I don't know up from down, east from west. I'm, I'm going crazy here. <laughs> How are you doing? I, as I think you've kind of indicated there. Um, I had a shocker in the tipping. Same, see, last year I got 22 out of 24 right. I smashed it. This year I got 14. How about you? 15. Oh, you beat me at least. <laughs> and I, so I, I was one off in my... One off top spot in my family's tipping competition and 16, like 16, that, that's not meant to win. We we're all just sitting around embarrassed at our efforts. I was going to say, your, your family aren't just like schmucks. Like your family are all, like half of them are in film clubs. Like your family loves film. Oh, the Oscars is, is what keeps us together as a unit. Yeah, you guys do this every year. You watch the Oscars, you, you have a crazy tipping. Don't you actually have like a trophy? There is a perpetual trophy, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, like, for the winner to only get 16, that's insane. My, my other sister is who won. I dropped her home afterwards because we watched at my folks' place. And we pull up at, pull up at her place. We have a little rant about uh, a category or two. And she gets out and, and puts down on the passenger seat a bit of paper, which I thought was her ballot. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. She's just like- J- j- just rocked this alpha move on the way out of the car. Just beat you in the tipping, and I'm just going to leave this here for you. I was like, "That is cold." <laughs> Turns out it was a some something I'd left in the car. But for a second, I was like, "Damn!" I ended up watching the whole thing twice <laughs> because see, because I run the just social to make me- sure you didn't imagine it. <laughs> well, because I run the social media for the show, I felt it was my duty to watch it and live tweet. And, and that, w- that was good fun, actually, because I had a lot of listeners kind of tweeting along with me, and it was clear that the, the outrage and at certain things was kind of spread throughout the wider internet, <laughs> you might say. Uh, but then, of course, because I, I'm in a pretty lucky position where I can watch it during the day, my wife and, you know, some of my family members weren't in that position. So, I was like, all right, everyone come around, we'll watch it tonight. And so, I, I had to watch the whole thing again. <laughs> Going into it, did you see the the results from the Independent Spirit Awards a couple of days earlier? No, I didn't. No. Oh man, when those when those results came out, it was just like, oh, could we please just copy and paste this? Because <laughs> I know it's going to be better than what's coming. I mean, the Spirit Awards are always always better than what what gets awards at the Oscars. They, yeah, they were a good group. Yeah, like they are usually genuinely good films. But I mean, because it's it's the independent spirit awards. Like most of them actually have valuable messages and things to say, which is more than you can say for some of the Oscar films. <laughs> one one thing I was actually happy with was the no host. Yeah, that could well have been a train wreck, but for the most part, like I would I would say there were some points throughout the show where it had been kind of forty five minutes, you know, between laughs or between a bit of energy. For the most part, it was fine. Should we talk about some some winners and losers? Let's get into it. Can we start at the end? Because I don't want to build up to this. I want to get it out of the way. <laughs> so you you want to start with with the big best picture with the apparent 
Best Picture, yes. <laughs> Look, we always knew that Best Picture was going to be a mixed bag. Eight movies, not all of them great. And like like we said in our preview, and, and I think that this is exactly what happened, Roma taking foreign picture was enough for them to go, it's got its award, let's give something else an award. Yep, you mix that in with the people that, I have no idea how big this cohort would be, but there would be people who just would not vote for a Netflix film. My other half hadn't seen Roma, and so we watched it the night before the Oscars. And watching it again was amazing because it was like like watching a Star Wars movie for the second time where you're unbaggaged from expectation and desire that you hope this is the masterpiece that other people think it is and everything. And watching it again, I was just like, I mean, there were points where my chin was almost on my chest, just jaw agape at the quality of of the filmmaking. It's just it like it is a stunning piece of work. And yeah. when we got to the end, I was I was so not confident of Roma winning. I thought it was still a reasonable chance with of course, you know, it's already one best director. Yeah. And so I'm like it's still a good chance, but to be honest, I was like, all right, Black Panther is very much in the hunt because it's had a pretty good night. You've got at that point the film the film that's won the most Oscars somehow is Bohemian Rhapsody. So I'm thinking, okay, it could be it could be Roma, it could be Black Panther, it could be Bohemian Rhapsody, and it could be Green Book because baby boomers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then it happened, and I I mean I I genuinely I was dismayed. I mean Bohemian Rhapsody was clear that was a baby boomer vote as well. I mean I can't believe that. So Bohemian Rhapsody ended the night with the most awards with four. Then you had Green Book. Roma and Black Panther all with three. The favourite got one from ten. Yeah, like, it, it's it's crazy. Given that the favourite and Roma were tied for the most nominations and the favourite ended with only one and Roma with only three, it, it's, it's kind of staggering. Like, the fact that Best Picture only got three awards is kind of crazy, really. Yeah, like, I mean, you don't have to go back too long till when Spotlight won and it had been almost a non-factor all night and then- Best picture, but um, like the as the awards went, it was a, it was kind of evidence of this what we're living in at the moment with the membership of the academy, where the dominant force is like for all the talk of the new academy, the dominant force in the academy is still old white men. That's still the biggest group. Yeah, yeah, and that's still who you've got to please. But there's traces of the new academy throughout the evening with like Black Panther doesn't pick up costume and and. Um, and production design without the new Academy, you wouldn't have thought. I mean, I was actually shocked that Black Panther got three awards. I, I was kind of staggered by that. Like, best score completely threw me for a loop. I-, I was not expecting it to even really be in the competition for best score. So, in the end on my ballot, I picked Black Panther for costumes because I was like, that might be the award that they give it so that it has an award. But I, w- I was completely blown away that it-, that it ended up with three. I mean, the good thing about that for me is that maybe it puts paid to popular Oscar. But, you know, Black Panther won by itself. Can we also point out that it took 11 years and 20 films for uh, the MCU to beat the DCEU in number of Oscars? Well, I'm glad that's happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, th- not that I'm hanging out. Like, I don't need the MCU to be winning Oscars, but nah. I should have more for the fucking DCEU. <laughs> yeah. But the whole, th- like, the whole thing seems like this, like, the fingerprints of- a fractured academy are there, I think, in these awards that wouldn't have happened without the, you know, quotation marks, new academy. But then you get up to best picture and it's like, 
wow, this is this is th- like this is thirty years after Do the Right Thing wasn't nominated and Driving Miss Daisy won. Yeah, and 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 this has happened. Well, did you like, hear that? Really, Sp- Spike Lee left. Yeah, full gangster move by Spike. Yeah, which like I think you know there are some people who are like, well, that's kind of a dick move. But I think I think part of it is he's. I think Green Book is one of those movies that a lot of people just aren't happy with in terms of the way it deals with race. And, I mean, we all know Spike Lee. We can imagine that he is one of those people who is not very happy with the way it deals with race. So, I don't really have an issue with him storming out. Like, it, it, it is an ungracious move, but on the other hand, someone in their 60s doing that is also just great. When he jumped up and gave Samuel L. Jackson a bear hug when he won Best Rider, I was like, that's a cool move, Spike. It was. It was a good moment. It was a good yeah. moment. I just, like, we now live in a world where, like, Spike Lee finally gets his Oscar and by the end of the night, Nick Vallelonga has twice as many as he does. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not meant to happen. Yeah. Can I can I talk about one of my favourite mo- moments of the night, which, believe it or not, was during um, Rami Malek's speech, which was a complete snooze. I get off the stage and- <laughs> There was something about cue the music, and I was like, oh, it's like the movie. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and just put on Queen. All anyone's here for. Uh, I, I disagree. I think that Queen were probably the worst opening to a ceremony in, in years and years and years. But at they- least it was, it was reflective of the film, because it was just like, this is secretly all about Brian May. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, he, he, he just wants the spotlight. Um, wh- what about the- uh- the fake chemistry between Gaga and Cooper. Fake? Are you kidding me? They definitely went backstage and shagged. You reckon? Oh, if I was Cooper's plus one, I'd be furious. I mean, isn't isn't he engaged? And no, she's engaged. I think she's already broken that off. Oh, really? You think dot, because dot, of the Coops? Oh. Absolutely. I don't. Oh, it was just a little bit much for me when he moved around and sat on the stool next to her, and it, it, I was like, guys, come on, just sing the song. Am I alone here? I think so. I think the rest of the world was just absolutely sick for it. (laughs) We've spoken about some of the awards that we weren't so happy with. Let's talk about Coleman getting Best Actress. So the only thing that made me not throw the remote through the television when Best Picture happened was that I still had the memory of Coleman. Yeah, that was a huge shock for me. That was like, uh, we're usually pretty good with our tips. You are good at looking up the odds, yes. <laughs> I look up the odds after I do my tips because it's a fun fact. <laughs> okay. This was one of those awards that I was sure was a lock for Glenn Close. And I was so happy when it went to Coleman because it means that they, you know, the Academy does think about more than just who should have an award. They think about who deserves the award. When Coleman's name was read out, I was so thrown that for, for a second, it was like the first thing that had to register was that it wasn't Glenn Close. And then I was like, wait, who was it? Was it was it Ulitsia? And I was like, no, he said they they said Coleman. I was just so happy. And then her speech came, and then she just killed it. Like she is just charm personified, isn't she? It was fantastic. Like, don't you just want to hang out with her? Yes, very much so. <laughs> like, I mean, you two would have horrendous gout if you hung out together because she seems like a bit of a piss pot <laughs> the only other ones that like really really shocked me uh one in a good way visual effects um 
I, d- I really didn't think that First Man had a shot. And I was actually really happy that First Man walked away with an award, at least. Yeah, I was pretty ecstatic about that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I still think it should have got sound editing. And the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody got sound editing just confirms for me that most voting members don't know what sound editing is. <laughs> Dude, I was livid. The sound editing in First Man is next level. The sound in Queen involves when- Okay, and obviously it goes beyond this, but- what people like about it, let's be honest, is, okay, when do we insert a Queen song? Yeah, look, and I had tipped Bohemian Rhapsody for sound mixing. I knew it would win that. It shouldn't have, but I knew it would. No, but, but like, I think, you know, that's what mix- mixing is generally more about, you know, the mix, how, like how things blend. <laughs> yeah, and the mix, the mix in A Star Is Born was completely superior, but we knew Rhapsody was going to win. Yes, yeah. Whereas sound but, editing- But sound editing- Which is more about the creation of the sounds themselves. Like- I can't I, even. I couldn't I believe- I can't, Billy. I, that was- I needed probably, someone to hold me back. Look, that made me pretty furious. And then the very next award you get after that is film editing. And I can only imagine the look on your- And probably your entire family's face when Bohemian Rhapsody won best film editing. Well, at that point, it was kind of- com- Like, it was just comical by that point. That award is not for the editing of the film. The award is for the guy who didn't have a director there who had to piece this thing together and they said, well done on at least making a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what the award's for. I think the, like, the only thing going forward for me is whether Green Book winds up in the, um, the category with The King's Speech where people are like, really? That one best picture? Or if it winds up in the crash bin of your- Kidding me. That, like, because, I mean, and some of this is my own feelings, but I I don't see, I do not see us living in a world where this ages well at all. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, like, I'm I'm a member of a lot of kind of, like, film groups on Facebook and Reddit and whatnot. And the thing about Green Book is it's very divisive. There are a lot of people out there who genuinely love this movie. Like, that was the one award where the reaction was really split. There were a lot of people who were like, yay, the movie that should have won did. And I was like, whoa, really? But it's uh, it, it, there really is a lot of genuine love out there for that movie in, in the public, which is surprising. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go the crash route. I think there will always be some people like our, our mate Sam from Movie Reviews and 20Qs. He was dirty as, and, and he, refer- he brought Crash up. But I think it's more just going to be a kind of forgotten- Like, I don't think the movie will be remembered enough in 10 years for people to compare it to Crash. Why would you remember it in 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tr- yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think it will go down with, like, Crash and Shakespeare in Love as, as one of those horrific train wrecks of, of a best picture winner that shouldn't have won. I, I think it'll just be like, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> I guess we'll know when we do our revisionist top five of- 2018 in, <laughs> in 2028. You reckon we'll still be doing this by then? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably die young. <laughs> it's too late for me to die young. <laughs> it's true. You've got to be young to die young, you old fart. <laughs> <laughs> You've missed the 27 boat. <laughs> I'm almost old enough to vote for Green Book. <laughs> You're basically a baby boomer. <laughs> That's not what we call them in this country anymore, Billy. I'll thank you to use their proper name, Boomer Fucks. (laughs) 
or their or, the, or their extended scientific name, wealth hoarding boomer fucks. <laughs> that is such an Aussie thing to say. <laughs> you may as well have been like, ah, oh, them boomers. <laughs> All right, is that enough griping and occasional celebrating? I think that's enough. All right, mate, let's talk about something else. How about we talk about something that didn't get any award love? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm assuming that we watched the same thing. I hope so. I watched The Sisters Brothers. Oh, that's good, because I also watched that. Nailed it. <laughs> Sisters Brothers is a Western dark comedy directed by Jacques Audiard from a screenplay he co-wrote with Thomas Bidigain, based on the novel of the same name by Patrick DeWitt. It stars John C. Riley, who also produced the film, Yaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed. Tell us what it's about, Toph. I don't know. You tell me what it's about. <laughs> but but this is this is our thing. I, I always read the, the cast list and stuff, and then you give the plot. All right, it's about the- No, 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 it's fine. All right. All right, I'll do it. So there's these two brothers in the Old West. They're like hitmen, assassins, working for this scary dude called the Commodore, and uh, they fuck some shit up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what what, what would you have said? I'd have said almost word for word what you said. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so John C. Riley actually had- was the one who had the rights to the book. He he picked them up in 2011. Yeah, So yeah. he's been keen for a while. Which I believe is when the book was published, so he must have got on it straight away. He jumped right in there. Yeah. <laughs> on the cast, how did you feel about John C. Riley? You were saying last week that you prefer him in more serious roles. Yeah, absolutely I do. Yeah, and how did you find him here? I liked him. Yeah, same. I, I liked him. I actually think the cast is one of the best things about this film. Both John C. Riley and Yaquin Phoenix are awesome. And Jake Gyllenhaal, who I, I really like sometimes, but I can find hit and miss. I actually really enjoyed him too. And it was nice to see Riz Ahmed awake in a film, unlike in Venom, where well, he yeah, slept was- through the entire thing. No, I disagree. I think it was nice to see that after the great performance he gave in Venom, he's clearly, you know, made a step up and he's getting, you know, some more <laughs> roles after. You know, people were obviously impressed by what he was doing there. And they're like, you know, we got to keep an eye on this Ahmed kid. Okay, that, you know what? That sounds right. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I do like a lot about the film, actually, is the dynamic between the brothers. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think Phoenix and Riley are actually pretty great together and, like, their, their willingness to antagonise the other one for no reason. Yeah. But- that's also in there with a lot of care for the other one. Just rings very true for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you've got a twin. I actually don't have a brother, but you do. Is, th- is this- So, you would say that this is like a real brotherly relationship that comes across on the screen? Look, it's not It's not like my relationship well, with I mean, my you brother. Well, I mean, you two aren't hitmen in the Old West. For starters. <laughs> <laughs> but- it's certainly one that I buy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought they had great chemistry. And I really liked the the blend of humour and drama in the film. I think, yeah, it's- I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it a black comedy because I don't think it's that funny. And I don't think that the overall premise and plot is funny enough to call it a black comedy. But it, it's, it's, it's a good balance, I think. Um, Europe does a pretty good job of standing in for Northwest- United States, I think. <laughs> sure does. The film was shot largely in Spain, I think, with also France and Romania subbing in in parts. Yeah, right. As as you know, I don't live in northwestern United States, <laughs> so it's possible that for people that do are looking at this going, well, this is just weird. You're not fooling anyone. But if you are of that opinion, um, they did fool someone. They fooled me. Well, they definitely fooled me. I was going to bring- I think the look of the film- you know, Earlier this year, we had uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which was- that was another Western film, and that actually was shot in the the Western United States. 
And much of it, well, most of it, as we discussed, wasn't shot on a soundstage. It was all shot out in real environments. This, to me, looked just as good and I bought it just as much as that. And I think we spoke about this with The Favourite as well. And it was another thing that I like about this film is that the interiors are pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They because are. without electricity, interiors are pretty dark. Or even the exteriors at times. There's quite a lot of nighttime shots outdoors which <laughs> nighttime in the Old West is like pitch black virtually. And I think they did a pretty good job of keeping that, you know, it's obviously not floodlit and stuff like that. Um, another, another like nice little thing about capturing the time that I think works well is early on in the film, there's a scene where Joaquin Phoenix's character is just firing off his gun in a bar and people come pouring out, which is what would happen. Like we've, we've got this idea that, Murder was just rife in the Old West and yeah. guns going off constantly. And when actually the murder rate in the Old West was not that high. It was probably less than now. And <laughs> if someone just started drunkenly firing their gun in a bar, that would freak people out. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Whereas the image you have in your head is that if someone fires a gun in a bar, 20 oh, yeah. other people pull their guns and, you know, just rampage ensues. If, if they noticed at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone's shooting. <laughs> And there's always a piano player. There's got to be a piano player who gets shot. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Falls down on the piano. You just hear like this. It's basically chopsticks. <laughs> just some sad notes yeah. as his face bleeds into the keys. <laughs> so, speaking of the, the time and the setting, 45 minutes before we get a female character. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking watching this movie, I was like, even though it's made in Europe, yeah. they very much subscribe to in the Old West, there was about- Six women per state. And they were all whores. And they had one job. <laughs> if, like, there's some freak of the gene pool in the Old West where, yeah. where 99 out of 100 babies were male. And the others are whores. So I suppose, given the job that you have, and that there is only one job, yeah, you're going to be successful. Well, you are going to- In fact, one of them is so successful, they name it down after her. That's right. Can you imagine being so good at being a whore- that they name a town after you. I, in fact, can. Like, that is- That's the dream, isn't it? I wouldn't have thought so, no. Can, can you imagine just, like, you're travelling around and you, you enter Billyville and there's just, like, statues of me in my giant junk and they're like, well, he's the best whore out there. No? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, you have painted a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one I needed. Um, but, I mean, okay, so how did, how did you feel about that? It's a bit eye-rolling, I find, like- Jeez, really? <laughs> Your imagination is so vast that you've come up with two women in the film and they're <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the that's one of the funny things that you know, like we spoke about the screenwriter of Fast and the Furious, when we did our Fast and Furious marathon, and whether he had in fact maybe gone undercover in a street racing gang to see what the lifestyle was like, you know. Whereas with this, I mean, the old West is gone. You can't go undercover in that. You just have to imagine it. So if your imagination is whores, then <laughs> like, yeah. that's what you're going to write. <laughs> yeah. So that's so really that's what it comes down to. We know what screenwriters have on the mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another thing that I enjoy in the film is the dynamic between Jake Gyllenhaal's character and, or, or really more precisely, the reaction that Joaquin Phoenix's character has to Jake Gyllenhaal's character just through the letters that Gyllenhaal's character leaves behind yeah. when he's reading them. And Gyllenhaal is this absolute 
pretentious flog in his yes. writing, so I thought he was great. Um, <laughs> and, and Phoenix's reaction to the letters is is priceless. Yeah, I thought they had a really good dynamic, and then even once they meet, and there's it's not it's not competitiveness or jealousy. It's 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 more distrust that particularly Yaquin has, and it, like. I just think that's acted and comes across really, really well. Even, like, dialogue aside, just the way he looks at him. <laughs> Actually, if, like, if this was the first time I had seen Riley and Phoenix in a film ever, yeah. and you said to me, which one of these guys would you like to see do some comedy, I would say Phoenix. Yeah. On yeah. the basis of his just brilliant disdain for these letters that he has. Yeah. <laughs> and- it's something that I would actually really like to see. Like, sure, Phoenix has done things with comic elements like Inherent Vice. But you'd like to see him in, like, Joe Dirt 2 or, like, uh, An- no, Anchorman. No, or- no, no, no. No, I mean a comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I suspect that Phoenix- And I think I- um, I did. I heard an interview with Riley uh, when kind of this film and Stan and Ollie were coming out. And he was saying that Phoenix isn't- Like, he's not an easy person to get in with. But once you are in with him, he's hysterical. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> he just has such a great voice. Like, I think it's it's a it's a really good casting for him to play someone in the Old West because he just sounds like he's from the Old West. And Phoenix seems to have just so- when, when it comes to his appearance on film, Phoenix appears to have no ego. He's so okay with just, all right, this character should look like crap, so yeah. I'll look like crap. He looks like he smells. He looks like Johnny Depp. He does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When like when he wakes up completely hungover in, in, in scenes, you're like, yeah, I want to be nowhere near you. Yeah. I, I thought he was great. Let's talk about the, the plot and whether I knew absolutely nothing about this film going into it other than it was about two brothers in the Old West. That's literally all I knew. I, I found this had quite a few twists and turns in the direction it was heading. Did you feel that way as you were watching it, or did you know what to expect? No, I didn't know what to expect at all in terms of story. All I knew going into it was Old West, Phoenix, and Riley. Yeah, yeah. Re- really. So pretty much as much as I did, yeah. And the story, like, I don't care much about the story, to be honest. Really? I'm, I'm much more interested in the, the dynamics between the characters than I am the story. I think that's what I was expecting, and I ended up being surprised at how engaged I was in the story. You know, the story really does shift at times. You start by following these two hitmen, then halfway through they become prospectors, and then back to hitmen. And there's quite a large chunk in the middle there where they're living out and panning for gold and, you know, like living with Ahmed and and Gyllenhaal. And I actually really enjoyed that stuff. See, uh, yeah, I I didn't really. <laughs> the, yeah, really. P- part of it is just the the sheer disbelief of Ahmed's character's formula. Formula. Right. Where, I'm, where I'm just like, come on, what am I watching here? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I I was doing a Billy with this film. I was like, this doesn't need to be this long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I was actually surprisingly okay with the length. Just like in Billy Town. <laughs> Billyville. Sorry. Get it right. Sorry. <laughs> Respect Billy. <laughs> Respect the statue. <laughs> yeah, so for me, that's that segment of the film is not one that I particularly li- like. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I disliked it, but I certainly don't like it as much as just watching Phoenix and Riley be dicks to each other. Yeah, okay. So you would have rather this movie been basically like Old West Step Brothers. I haven't seen Step Brothers. Step Brothers actually isn't bad. That's what I hear. Like, yeah. I, I remember seeing trailers for it and going, oh. No, nah, yeah. As far as like 
as far as those comedies go, and you know what I mean by those comedies. I do. It's it's top of the heap, definitely. That's what I hear. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as Tropic Thunder, which was in my top five of 2008. And your girlfriend texted me recently saying that you were watching it. Yep. How'd you find that, buddy? Didn't like it. That's what she said. She said it was rubbish. <laughs> I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, so Step Brothers would want to be better than Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Step Brothers, Step Brothers, good, but you would have rather something like that, just in the old west, just like just these two bickering. For me, yeah, I, I think I would have been more into just go full introspective wankerdom into the dynamics of the characters than the plot, because I think the plot, personally, I don't find the plot interesting. Right. So on the look of the film, which we touched on earlier with kind of the darkness and stuff, I really enjoyed the cinematography and the general look. I'm assuming that a lot of this was shot outdoors, which, as we know, is really tough to pull off. But I thought it was done really well. Yeah, I enjoy the look of it as well. There is there's something nice about watching films shot, but even though every cinematographer is going to have their own ways of doing things and their own look, yeah. when you skip to another continent, there is- a shift in style. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've really touched on this enough. This is, I mean, really a French film. It's a French production, a yeah. Yeah, like, so this is the director's first uh, English language film. He's He is a French director, used a, an entirely French crew. And um, so, yeah, it's nice to just get this, stylistically, you just get this new take on something really familiar. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree, definitely. L- like I said, you can see the comparisons there to, say, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but it is it is a different look. One thing where I think the, the, st- the creative process, I think, is evident of a different school of filmmaking is that final shot in the film where they're back home, which they actually did do as one shot. Really? Like, when, when anyone is off camera, they're quickly getting changed so that when the camera then drifts into another- room and has skipped forward in time, they just pop up again and continue the thing where if this was a film made in the States with possibly a larger budget, mm. they you'd, you'd just go fix it in post. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of fix it in post out there in the world. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> that should not be a mantra. <laughs> um, on the score, I loved the score. You didn't notice it, did you? Not at all. Oh. <laughs> How you need to pay more attention to Alexandre Desplant. Oh, it was my man. It was Desplant. My man Desplant. I'm like honestly, this is another one for me where I'm like, this should be up for best score. Um, and I'm sure that there's some reason why it's not. I mean, I know that the movie, even though it was critically quite a success, it was a bit of a flop at the box office. Oh, it tanked. Yeah, I think it, I don't think it made its budget back. I think it was I think it was shot for fifty five and it made eleven back. Whoa. Yeah. So not great numbers. Um, 55? I, I think so. I, th- I mean, I could be wrong there. I probably am. I usually am. <laughs> How about we Google this so that I'm not talking out of my ass? Uh, made for 38 and it made 10 back. Oh, that's so, not a good chunk. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely what you'd call a flop. And that 38 probably doesn't include marketing, although I'm not sure how much marketing was really done for this film. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know whether just not enough people- saw it but i i am disappointed that it wasn't up for score i gotta say because i thought the score was similar to how i felt about the score in first man it's not what you'd expect for the kind of movie it is like you watch this and you would expect a real western sounding score but that's not what is delivered it's a lot of synth and piano and it's really interesting and yet it blends really nicely with what you're seeing on screen so, all in all, it sounds like we were both fairly positive on it. What are you scoring this? 
I'm a solid six out of ten. Right. I yeah. like. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it, um, but I certainly enjoyed sitting with the characters more than I enjoyed sitting with the story. Right. I'm a se- I'm a seven. I enjoyed this a lot more than I was expecting to. When I looked at the length. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is long. I'm not going to be able to get in the zone. And it's- Like Billy Town? Yeah. <laughs> Billy Ville. Sorry. <laughs> and it's all old Westy. Like, but, uh, yeah, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought that I would. And, I, like, I do think that that is due to a lot of the individual elements. So, I was sitting there going, this is shot really nicely. This score is great. Everything's- It, it was just a nice experience, I think, for me. All right. What are we getting to next week? Next week, we will be getting to a project that only took 30 years to get made. (laughs) It's got to be up there with the record for development hell. Surely. Definitely. And that is, of course, Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. 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 Thank you. Uh, Have you you watched Lost in La Mancha yet, the documentary? I haven't. I've been meaning to for so long. You've really got to. It's one of my favourite docos because they are doing a sequel. Yeah, I know. So the same crew who filmed it has been filming ever since that came out 20 years ago. They filmed all of his various attempts since, including this final production. And so that's going to be coming out. I, I, no one knows whether it'll be like a, a bonus on the international release or- uh, But yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Mm. I'm keen for that. Well, that'll be next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething. Have a good one. Go watch a movie. Film? What was that? (laughs) Film? (laughs) When it comes to his appearance on film... Film. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>